Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. Hey, folks, a a quick note before we start the podcast. We are going to be discussing suicide. If you're thinking about suicide, are worried about a friend or a loved one, call your suicide prevention hotline. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In Canada, call 1-833-456-4566. In the United States, it's 1-800-273-8255. In the United Kingdom, it's 116-123. And in our show notes, we link to suicide prevention hotlines around the world. Please, ask for help. Reach out and talk to somebody. Your life is worth living. Now on with the show. It's time for another Extra Dosage episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. Extra Dosage episodes are those in-between bits, special bonus content to get you through to the next full episode. This is CNN Breaking News. So, um, I hate to have to report this. The breaking news just into CNN is that actor Robin Williams... This is Fox News Alert. Actor Robin Williams found dead in California. Robin Williams has been confirmed dead. He was 63 years old. Good morning, Vietnam! Remember me? Mark from Mark. Euphigenia Doubtfire, dear. I specialize in the education and entertainment of children. If you listen to the trailer at the end of Episode 6, then you already know that Episode 7 is about Parkinson's and comedy. Writer and producer Paul Mayhew Archer is one of the people with Parkinson's we'll hear from. His credits include The Vicar of Dibley, My Hero, and Mrs. Brown's Boys. Most recently, he's been touring his stand-up show, Incurable Optimist. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Um, According to the Parkinson's UK uh, website... Every hour, someone in this country is told they have Parkinson's. That's pretty serious. That means some of us are being told at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Wake up, what is it? You've got Parkinson's, go back to sleep. We first introduced you to Paul in episode one of season two. Well, Paul and I got to talking about Robin Williams who, you may remember, was originally diagnosed with just Parkinson's, but after taking his own life, an autopsy revealed that Robin also had Lewy body dementia. The darkest joke I do in the show, but it's one that gets one of the biggest laughs, which is (laughs) amazing to me. But anyway, I talk about how I was chatting to a professor, and I said, wasn't it sad that Robin Williams um, killed himself because 
he could have attracted an enormous amount of publicity to Parkinson's. And the professor said, um, well, <clears throat> actually, we don't think he had Parkinson's. He had Lewy body dementia, which is related to Parkinson's in some ways, but not the Parkinson's itself. And I said, well, how, how can you tell? And he said, well, because he killed himself. Very, very unusual for people with Parkinson's to kill themselves. I said, I, I didn't know that. Why is that? And he said, well, I mean, people with Parkinson's do get very depressed, but one of the other symptoms is apathy. So they may feel like killing themselves, but, you know, they just can't be bothered. <laughs> It's like it's like uh, when I got diagnosed and my neurologist said, uh, "I think you have Parkinson's." And I said, "Well, can we can we can we firm that up?" He goes, "With an autopsy." <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> your your neurologist has a great sense of humor. Oh yeah, mine had a wonderful sense of my original neurologist had a wonderful sense of timing. My wife asked him. She said, um, does it affect life expectancy? And he said, ah, now, I'm glad you asked me that because we used to think it did affect life expectancy. But then about mm, six years ago, we decided that it didn't. <laughs> but now we think it does. <laughs> there was this very long pause as I was just getting my hopes up. And then, but now we think it does. <laughs> About the same time I was talking to Paul, Reel's movie channel in the U.S. was releasing a documentary called When the Laughter Ends. It was about Robin Williams. Dylan Howard was the executive producer of the film. While he was happy to talk publicly about his addictions to both booze and drugs, he kept his longer and more personally painful battle with Parkinson's disease all to himself. Now, at that time, there was a lot of folks in the PD community who were interested in talking about the film and, more specifically, were curious about Robin's journey as a guy who lived and died thinking he just had PD. Williams seemed like an interesting topic to explore. So, how do you go about talking about Robin Williams on the podcast? Well, <laughs> let me take you behind the curtain. When I think of Robin Williams, I also think of Billy Crystal because of their work on HBO with uh, Whoopi Goldberg on Comic Relief. Producer John O'Dowd and I reached out to Billy Crystal through his agent. Billy and Robin were dear friends. Billy was also tight with Muhammad Ali, so I figured he'd have some really interesting perspective on Parkinson's as a friend. No response. O'Dowd did track down and talk to Robin's son. He's doing advocacy work on dealing with depression. He, he wasn't comfortable talking about his dad. He directed us to Robin's widow. Turns out she's not doing media right now, but may do more in the future. Whew. <laughs> so we keep motoring on. I reached out to Reels, and surely uh, they'd have somebody who would be willing to talk about Robin and their documentary. Hello, this is Larry. After some back-and-forth emails, I was connected to, you guessed it, the executive producer, Dylan Howard. Hey, Larry, this is Joanne, Dylan Howard's assistant. Could you hold on while I put Dylan on the line? Thanks so much, yes. As the executive producer, Howard conceived the concept of the show, and his expertise comes from his time as an award-winning entertainment journalist. Hi, Larry, how are you? I'm good, Dylan. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. He's also the vice president and chief content officer for American Media, which is the company behind U.S. Weekly, Star. OK, In Touch Weekly, The National Enquirer, and others. When the Laughter Stops is just one of the documentaries Howard's produced exploring the life and death of comedians who left us too soon, including John Belushi, Chris Farley, and Phil Hartman. But in the case of Robin Williams, it was a very complex 
uh, story in piecing together factors that led to his demise. Yeah, I think when, when people found out that he had committed suicide, I think at first people thought it was probably a drug overdose. Well, I think there was some initial speculation, yes. His, his battles with drugs had long been documented. But what we didn't know was that behind the scenes, he was hiding um, an, an all-too-familiar problem, and that was a personal and painful battle with Parkinson's disease. And he kept that all to himself. And whilst he was happy to talk publicly about his addiction to booze and drugs, it was this longer battle with Parkinson's that really was the personal demon that he was unable to overpower. At this point, I just want to reiterate that until his death, Robin believed his diagnosis was Parkinson's disease, and that's it. It wasn't until they did the autopsy that they discovered he also had Lewy body dementia. The Lewy bodies are protein deposits, which develop in nerve cells in the brain regions involved in thinking, memory, and movement. It causes progressive decline in mental abilities. Some people experience visual hallucinations, changes in alertness and attention, and it's often accompanied by signs and symptoms that look just like Parkinson's disease, like rigid muscles and slow movement and tremors. Behind the scenes, there was a darkness that was descending upon him, and it seemed to become... For him, he seemed to become a lost soul, but we never saw it. It wasn't in front of our eyes. And that's the great irony of the situation. Someone could achieve so much. He was a winner of an Academy Award, six Golden Globes, two Emmys, five Grammys, more than perhaps anyone could have ever imagined in a career. Uh, Yet at the same time, behind the scenes, there were issues in his private life that we didn't really know about. And that was, you know, his health condition, the fact that he had Parkinson's and that he had Lewy body syndrome. Um, and to have a dementing illness like that um, really must have played a crushing role on his life behind the scenes. And we know that the symptoms of these diseases are such things as uh, constipation, sleeplessness, urinary difficulty, no sense of smell, tremors. As the disease within Robin began to consume him more, he was starting to become more anxious, paranoid, confused. He had sudden spikes of anxiety. And all the same, at all the same time, he continued to live out this Hollywood lifestyle. So I can only imagine the torture that he went through behind the scenes that we never saw and that perhaps many people were unable to help him in support. It's it's so interesting, Dylan, hearing you describe what he was going through and the anxiety and the, all. That, that's what everybody with Parkinson's goes through. It's it's really unbelievable. Like you can talk to any of us who uh, have it, and that that you know, I was never an anxious guy, and now I'm in the car, and uh, like I feel like I'm going to get crushed at every cur- t- every turn I make. So it's it's just really weird. Uh, the loss of dopamine for a guy, because uh, that's the problem with Parkinson's and with you know you lose your dopamine production. So he thrived on those chemicals releases as a comedian, and I've talked to uh, people with Parkinson's who've now turned to stand-up comedy because they get that, that, that influx of dopamine production from the audience. It's almost better than the medicine. That is, that is part of the thing with comedians, and when you, exp- 
explore the comedians and their uh, often their frequency to fall into an addiction, a lot of it comes from the fact that comedy and that desire to be liked and loved and laughed at is almost in itself an addiction and they seem to want to replicate that. So, you know, there is a, a, a common thread between the addiction of comedy and the addiction of drugs and other things and it would make sense that people that battle Parkinson's and other diseases turn to something that can give them enjoyment and can give them that chemical balance for their brain and, and their body that is able to keep them in a buoyant mood. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know who would be interesting to talk to is Billy Crystal, having been friends with Muhammad Ali and Robin Williams, both who were diagnosed with Parkinson's. Uh, did, have you, have you, uh, did, did you talk to him at all? No, no. Uh, I'm a member of the Friars Club, and Billy Crystal was honored recently as the Friar of the Year. The Friars Club is a uh, entertainment club here in New York City. And he did speak about Robin Williams at his... Uh, at, at his uh, induction ceremony. Hold up. <laughs> Stop the tape. Um, let's put Dylan on hold for a moment. He, did he just say that Billy Crystal talked about Robin at the Friars Club? All right, Google, show me Billy Crystal talking about Robin Williams at the Friar Club. Go, Google. No dice. All right, searching Crystal, Ali, and Williams. Go. Bingo. Billy Crystal talking to Stephen Colbert on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert from September 19th, 2019, just a couple of months ago. You know roasts from when roasts were roasts, right. okay? You were part of some amazing roasts, roasted yourself by some of, some of the greats. Yes. Um, I Can you tell me anything about... Colbert holds up a black and white is, photo. This is at a roast, I believe. This was, I was being roasted in 1992. Um, that's Ali and I. Um, uh, I'm on the right. <laughs> Though you do an amazing, you do an amazing. I was being roasted by him, and he was on the dais, and he got up and said, "I like your jokes, I like your style, but you ain't paying me nothing, so I won't be back for a while." <laughs> no, it's when we grew Were you up. Friends? Yeah, oh yeah, he was one of my close. Colbert holds up another photo. Robin yeah. Williams has uh, his suit jacket raised above is, and over his head. It looks like a hood. This is Robin. Um, Robin was pretending to be my foreskin. Colbert's waving the picture in front of his face to fan off his increasingly red cheeks. I'm, I'm serious. Was it, was, it, yeah. was it coming back to you? Was it haunting you? Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's, uh, he called himself rumpled foreskin. Yeah, so that was that. Three years ago, Robin's widow, Susan Schneider-Williams, published a long letter on Neurology.org. It appeared on many news programs, including CBS This Morning with Charlie Rose, Robin Roberts, and Nora O'Donnell. We thought we had the answer. A few months before he left, he was um, diagnosed with Parkinson's, mm -hmm. which is actually an accurate diagnosis. However, that was the clinical side. And when he, we were in that doctor appointment with the general neurologist asking, you know, what does this mean? Um, the Parkinson's, which I felt some sort of relief that... We finally have, we have an a answer. name. Yeah, yes, right. we have a name and we know, okay, so what does this mean? Well, Robin asked in that appointment, you know, do I have Alzheimer's, dementia, am I schizophrenic? And 
it was painful later to realize why he was probably asking those questions because he was likely keeping a lot of the not necessarily the symptoms but the degree of symptoms to himself it's reported that soon afterwards he reached out to michael j fox i asked dylan thomas about that michael j fox and robin williams obviously uh had their own battles and, and did sympathize with each other and provide each other support as did robin's close personal relationship with the uh, the cyclist Lance Armstrong, uh, despite Lance's uh, very uh, sordid and controversial past, he was close friends with him, and he found comfort and an outlet in long bike rides. Uh, that was something that Robin was known to do. And that's actually the the best therapy for Parkinson's uh, is exercise. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. So that's the only way you can slow down the symptoms is through exercise. Wow. I, you know, I'd like to ask you, uh, when, when, when someone who suffers from Parkinson's sees someone like Robin Williams succumb to the illness, what would your advice be to people that might find themselves in the same situation? you just got to make the most of life while you can. Uh, you know, we could all get hit by a car tomorrow. So you live each day in its moment, take care of yourself, uh, and you, you, gotta, you can't think about the future because uh, it, it will cripple you. Uh, I go to support group meetings all the time, and I see people that are 10, 20 years down the line. I'm like, is that going to be me? Oh, no. But you can't live in that world, or you'll, you just you won't be living. I mean, it's, it's just a horrible situation. I mean, it's, uh, sometimes we've become desensitized to Hollywood celebrities. You know, we think that they've lived a, a, a privileged life, and we haven't, and therefore they don't deserve our sympathy and our love. But think about just the pain that he must have been enduring in those final moments of his life. In her letter, Robin's widow describes how the disease took over. Quote, During the filming of the Night at the Museum 3 movie, Robin was having trouble remembering even one line for his scenes, while just three years before, he'd played a full five-month season of the Broadway production Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, often doing two shows a day with hundreds of lines and not one mistake. This loss of memory and inability to control his anxiety was devastating to him. Robin was losing his mind, and he was aware of it. Can you imagine the pain he felt as he experienced himself disintegrating? and not from something he would ever know the name of or understand. Neither he nor anyone could stop it. No amount of intelligence or love could hold it back. Powerless and frozen, I stood in the darkness of not knowing what was happening to my husband. Was it a single source, a single terrorist, or was this a combo pack of disease raining down upon him? He just kept saying, I want to reboot my brain. That's interesting because on CBS This Morning, several years before, after heart surgery, Robin talked about getting a new heart was like getting a full reboot of your body's system. It's really wonderful because, I mean, Charlie knows the same thing. You, you, you get a, a big second. It's a giant reboot. Literally. You bet it is. Yes. The whole system yes. reboots. And you, you appreciate everyone and everything. Schneider Williams continues, quote, The Parkinsonian mask was ever-present and his voice was weakened. His left-hand tremor was continuous now and he had a slow, shuffling gait. He hated that he could not find words he wanted in conversations. He would thrash at night and still had terrible insomnia. At times, he would find himself stuck in frozen stance, unable to move, and frustrated when he came out of it. 
He was beginning to have trouble with visual and spatial abilities in a way of judging distance and depth. His loss of basic reasoning just added to his growing frustration. Monday, August 11th, 2014. Robin was gone. You also wrote in this piece, the caregiver is the ultimate key witness to the terrorism that they are experiencing their loved one go through. One in six people affected by, by brain disease. What's your advice to other caregivers? You were there. It's uh, just that they're not alone. Remember, they're not alone. And also to remember, and it's hard to hold on to this, but to remember that their loved one's symptoms are coming from the brain disease. It's not coming from their heart. Right. And um, it, is, it is terrifying to witness. Yet the caregiver is the witness because the person who's afflicted, they're, they're losing their ability and they may not be able to verbalize. You know, Robin was losing um, even verbal ability, finding words, weakness of voice. And so it's difficult for them to say in a Did doctor's appointment. Did you think that he was in danger of taking his own life, though, Susan? Not at all. Not at all. Nobody it was. was. Yeah. We had a whole medical team. No one, no one saw that coming. While Robin is gone, his movies and his comedy specials continue to make us laugh and make us think and make us smile. It was 1998 when Robin Williams played Patch Adams, a doctor. I want to help people. Last night with Rudy, I connected to another human being. I want more of that. I want to learn about people. I want to help them with their troubles. That's what I do. But you suck at it. You don't even look at people when they're talking. I want to listen. I want to really listen to people. And it was 1990 where he started in Awakenings as Dr. Malcolm Sayer about the birth of the drug Levodopa, the same drug you and I take every day. I would like to put uh, the rest of the group on the drug. And I realize this may be somewhat expensive. <laughs> when you say expensive, do you have any idea how much money you're talking about? Yes. I talked to Ray. I have an estimate. Um, the pharmacist says to to put all the others on the same dosage as Mr. Lowe would be um, 12000 How much? $12,000. A month? Yes. I can't go before the board with that, doctor. I was thinking of speaking directly to the patrons. The few patrons that this hospital has already give what they can, Doctor. We'll have to convince them to give more than they're accustomed to giving. Perhaps if they see Mr. Lowe. I think you overestimate the effect that Mr. Lowe has on people, Doctor. We're talking about money. Me? 15 to 18 pills a day. So I can function in the world with Parkinson's. Imagine if he knew then what role Levodopa would play in his life 24 years later. <laughs> uh, thanks for the laughs, Robin, and thanks for the dopamine rush. Godspeed. Don't, don't be running so fast. And that's it. How much have you loved? That's a simple question. How much have you loved? Love doing what you do or love being with the people? If you can answer that question pretty positively, then you're going, you're doing okay. It's a good life. Before we end the podcast, I need to say, we can all help prevent suicide. There are suicide prevention hotlines all over the world. A list of them are available in the show notes of this podcast. Lifeline supports are 24-7, free, confidential support for people in distress, prevention, and crisis resources for you, your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. In the United States, the Suicide Prevention Hotline is one 800 
1-877-273-8255. In Canada, there are the Canadian Suicide Prevention Services by Crisis Service Canada. This enables callers anywhere in Canada to access crisis support by phone in French or English. Call toll-free 1-833-456-4566 or go to thelifelinecanada.ca. In Australia, Lifeline is a 24-hour national service that provides access to crisis support and suicide prevention and mental health support services. It can be reached at 13 11 14. They also offer online chat services. In the United Kingdom, Samaritan's Helpline can be reached at 116-123. 116-123. Please, ask for help. Reach out and talk to somebody. Your life is worth living. Next time on When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Improv for Parkinson's. I've got the Parkinson's. You've got the improv. <laughs> so it's a good combination, <laughs> yeah. How long did it take before you laughed about it? A long time. I started doing stand-up after all, uh, about a year. You think I'm going to start cracking shit jokes about martinis? I'm living with Parkinson's. When we have our meetings once a month, we started off with a secret handshake. <laughs> In improv, we create a safe space to learn, and we celebrate failure. So to be in that kind of a space, it's uplifting. And then you, you, you get this community. What I talk about, really, is trying to find the comedy in Parkinson's and... My message, I suppose, is to take serious illnesses less seriously. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is a Curious Cast podcast. Our presenting partner is Parkinson Canada, parkinson.ca. If you'd like to help spread the word, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free to this podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Google, wherever you get your streaming audio, CastBox. You can also listen at curiouscast.ca. Uh, please be sure to share the podcast on social media. You can tag us at Parkinson's Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us directly at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. Thanks to The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, produced by Spartina Productions and CBS Television Studios, CBS This Morning and CBS News, The Reels Channel, and Dylan Howard. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today and the links to all of our guests. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is written and hosted by me, Larry Gifford. Dila Velazquez is our story producer and sound designed by Rob Johnston. Keep positive, keep exercising, and keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.